0: And welcome to Full Disclosure with the Better Government Association every Wednesday morning here on the WMAY Morning Newsfeed. We're joined each week by David Greising. He is the president and CEO of the Better Government Association. David, we are coming up on a a one-year anniversary that feels more like a ten or a twenty-year anniversary. Uh, That is living with the pandemic. It was really around Friday the thirteenth of March last year uh, that everything went to hell in a handbasket. One year later, uh, it looks like we're coming coming out of it light at the end of the tunnel. And so probably a good time to evaluate uh, where we've been and particularly how our state government has responded to this unprecedented crisis.
1: Right. It's really been an uh, uh, up-and-down go for the state of Illinois. The initial response was rather good. Illinois uh, ranked uh, uh, among the first in the country w- in with regard to addressing COVID. We never had the sort of extreme failures that we've seen in uh, New York, for example, um, uh, which had its huge crisis. Uh, Governor uh, J.B. Pritzker and Mayor Lori Lightfoot constructed a mass treatment facility, in McCormick Place, that really never needed to be used. Uh, so the preparation was good, uh, but after that, uh, the state ran into some serious problems from which it is only now just starting to recover.
0: You know, uh, one of the big complaints, and we hear it to this day, is that Governor J.B. Pritzker has essentially established one-man rule in Illinois. He's calling the shots. What gets to be open? What has to stay closed? How many people can gather in one place, etc.? A lot of frustration about that, especially from particularly Republican lawmakers, saying the legislature should be involved in this. I think it's worth noting the legislature has had opportunities to assert themselves in this, but the majority has simply opted not to.
1: No, they have not. And, and also those challenges to Governor Pritzker's authority really have gone nowhere in court. And so while politically people may have a problem with the governor having so much power, uh, as you point out, the legislature never had the wherewithal to take any of that power away from him. And the court challenges really have gone nowhere. So the governor really was acting appropriately uh, from a legal standpoint. The question is whether he was acting effectively or not. And the, the latest measure is really with regard to vaccinations. As of February first, Illinois ranks tenth among the top ten populous states in terms of uh, treatment vaccinations per capita. Uh, today, uh, uh, as of the last measure, it's it's uh, uh, kind of heartwarming to say Illinois ranks number one. Uh, Twenty eight point four two out of a hundred people uh, are, have received vaccines in the state of Illinois. So Illinois has, has really made some. Uh, good recovery uh, and that's the sort of thing that can be done in part through the exercise of power that uh, that other people uh you know have problems with
0: You know, the the governor would say that it is partly owing to the change in administration. There's no doubt that through much of this year-long pandemic, J.B. Pritzker uh, butted heads regularly with then-President Donald Trump. Probably did not uh, really help uh, Illinois' ability to function within the federal framework to get things done. The governor says that things are are running more smoothly now. Uh, And obviously, vaccine supplies are more plentiful. That has certainly helped. And as more people get shots into arms, uh, they will probably start to uh, overlook some of the the stumbles along the way. Not everybody can, though. One big area and one thing that Governor J.B. Pritzker is going to have to answer for is in the Illinois Department of Employment Security, which is still just absolutely plagued by slow response, -response, non-response, fraud, enormous problems, and people who really desperately need help just simply can't get it.
1: Right. Uh, Now, nobody expected the kind of uh, deluge that the IDES faced, Uh, more than 3 million unemployment claims uh, since last March. On the other hand, Uh, It came at the worst possible time for Governor J.B. Pritzker, who had actually depleted the resources in that department. There was some talk about folding it into another department of the state government. And really, IDES has been just completely uh, unprepared for what has happened. Uh, The governor has asked for $60 million. Uh, for federal funds for last year's budget, $73 million for this coming year's budget in order to help address some of these problems. Uh, and uh, as you pointed out, there's been fraud, one, more than a million fraud claims uh, out of there. And uh, I don't know about you, Jim, but I've received uh, letters, my employers received letters saying that I've been unemployed, seeking unemployment payment. Uh, the system has been very vulnerable to this kind of phishing scam, and uh, other states have faced this problem as well. But this is something that Governor Pritzker, the the mismanagement failure to manage uh, the Illinois Department of Employment Security is certainly uh, going to be a blot on his record Uh, as he uh, is expected to seek re-election.
0: The fraud has been a nationwide problem, but it is everywhere. Uh, I, uh, in fact, just got a letter a few days ago that someone had filed a claim in the name of my late wife who passed away five, almost six years ago, uh, and filed a claim claiming that she had worked as recently as December of 2020. The claim was denied, so maybe they're making some progress there in starting to root out some of this fraud. Uh, But obviously people with, with real legitimate claims and genuine need uh, are having to wait weeks on end to even get a return call and it, we're one year into this and the problem does not seem to have gotten better. And, and David, you're right. This is something the governor is going to have to uh, to deal with. We want to delve a little bit into state finances, but to, to lead into it, uh, the, the uh, federal relief bill uh, that is going to be voted on today in the U.S. House and should be signed uh, before the end of the week by President Joe Biden is expected to send billions of dollars to Illinois and to local governments in this state. How uh, How is that going to impact our financial situation here in Illinois.
1: Well, uh, the the federal relief bill, $1.9 trillion, the largest financial aid package in the history of the United States, uh, is going to uh, have a significant benefit, frankly. Uh, $7.5 billion will come to help out uh, Governor Pritzker's budget for fiscal year that starts July 1st. Uh, $1.5 billion will go towards transportation, and spending on transportation, of course, has a multiplier effect uh, that, is, that is beneficial to the state's economy overall, and the benefits of transportation spending are directly to the uh, residents of the state. Uh, the Chicago itself will get almost $2 billion worth of aid. And as the economic engine for the state of Illinois, when Chicago gets a benefit like that, uh, that also accrues uh, certainly in the northern part of the state at the very least. It also helps the state's revenue situation because taxes are paid up there that then benefit uh, the government in Springfield. So that's the direct aid that will come to the uh, to the the state, and then we'll see other benefits as well. Uh, For example, um, restaurants uh, are going to get Uh, billions of dollars in in aid. Uh, Some of these industries that have been very hard hit, $28.6 billion in aid across the country, not just in the state of Illinois, uh, will go to restaurants. Another uh, billion-plus will go to theaters, movie theaters. So some of these businesses that really have been directly affected and really put at risk, many we've lost many restaurants, and and many, many won't come back. Uh, But nevertheless, Uh, This money from Washington is going to uh, uh, be a significant help, especially as it also puts more money into the pockets of residents who then can spend it through some of the unemployment and COVID relief money that's going out directly to residents.
0: Against that backdrop, credit rating agencies are continuing to evaluate Illinois' finances now and for the future. We'll talk some about that when we continue here with full disclosure each Wednesday morning with the Better Government Association. David Greising is the president and CEO. David, for the, the first time in a long time, Illinois got, well, It's it's not exactly good news. Our fiscal situation is unchanged, but a credit rating agency is looking at the situation and saying, okay, you guys may have stopped the bleeding at least for a moment. It's not great, but it's not getting appreciably worse by the day.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's more or less what the Standard & Poor's rating agency has said, uh, moving the rating from uh, to stable from what was negative. And let's not forget, uh, this is at Illinois balances on the precipice of having a junk bond rating, uh, which would be uh, very bad for the state in terms of uh, raising the cost of borrowing money and also a huge embarrassment. Illinois is already the lowest rated state in the nation. And that's because of our our huge pension underfunding, our huge bill backlog, and other liquidity problems. I mean, this is a very numbers-heavy story, Jim, but it's so important to pay attention to this information because what it talks about is the bills that we as residents of the state are left paying because of of a lack of fiscal discipline on the part of the state government over many, many, many years. Uh, Decisions that were made to take a holiday on paying into the pension system, for example, or promising a 3% compounded return on retirement benefits, uh, which is something that the state of Illinois and really no state could afford. And then, of course, any decision made is is, is stuck in time because the state constitution prohibits the government from adjusting benefits, uh, all of which add up to this toxic mix of of trouble. And what S&P is saying is, okay, Illinois, you've gotten just a little bit better. You've paid down your bill backlog a little bit. And you your, um, the governor's budget looks like it's going to do some good. And oh, by the way, Help is coming from the federal government, which I think is probably the biggest factor in this move from stable uh, uh, to stable from negative. That said, S and P in this ruling also warns that this could change more or less at a moment's notice. If, for example, the bill backlog, which has started climbing back up, uh, if it gets much worse, or if. Uh, Illinois has uh, starts borrowing in order to pay its bills, which it has done in the past. Uh, those sorts of things might very well tip us back into a negative outlet, outlook, and then that's just half a step away from a junk bond rating.
0: You know, and uh, the governor has pledged to try to use some of this federal relief, maybe to you know address some of those issues, pay off the debt we've incurred, especially in the last year. Try to get some of that bill backlogged down. David, the S and P report makes reference to structural budget deficits, and this is a phrase that we hear a lot in the context of Illinois' fiscal problems, Uh, and I'm not sure if everybody knows exactly what it means. Can you, in some quick layman's terms, explain what we're talking about when we talk about the structural deficiencies in, in Illinois' finances?
1: Yes, absolutely. It it means that uh, even though Illinois, uh, as many states do, has a law stating that the budget must be balanced. Uh, in those years when we have had a budget, and you'll remember under Governor Bruce Rauner, he went a couple years without a without a budget at all. Um, the the legislature passes a budget that looks like it's balanced, but it's done through. Um, uh, kind of sleight of hand on the part of the budgeteers, and it's not really balanced. And so, year by year, Illinois tends to carry over a budget in the area in the range of about two to three billion dollars. And that's what we talk about when we talk about the structural budget deficit. It's those unpaid bills that just won't go away, no matter how much uh, budgetary sleight of hand uh, the state. Uh, government, both the legislature and the governor, uh, participate in this uh, bit of theater.
0: You know, and obviously we start every fiscal year with built-in obligations that we cannot avoid, bond payments, uh, the pensions, as you noted. Uh, we have uh, payments for programs like Medicaid and other uh, entitlement programs. Uh, those always have to be reckoned with. It doesn't leave a lot of room for uh, making fixes elsewhere in the budget. With just a couple of minutes left, uh, David Grising, again, uh, president and CEO of the Better Government Association here with us each week. You'll also be able to read his words in the Chicago Tribune regularly. And recently, uh, David and column in the Tribune, uh, took a closer look at the new House Speaker, Chris Welch, and some of the opportunities that he has ahead of him.
1: Well, right. Um, Chris Welch uh, had a very interesting appearance uh, before the Economic Club of Chicago, in which he laid out uh, some of his agenda. Uh, the most interesting thing apropos of what we were just talking about was that on the issue of pension reform, uh, he said that, uh, you know, he, he would be open to the idea of a constitutional amendment. He said, let's have a conversation about it. That's a long, long way from saying, yeah, I would do it. But he seems to be calling on Governor Pritzker to, uh, be more open to the idea of floating the, um, Uh, the graduated income tax again, what Pritzker calls the fair tax. Uh, uh, And meanwhile, there are other big, big issues on Chris Welch's plate. Ethics reform has to top the agenda. That Ethics Reform Commission uh, was essentially disbanded when COVID hit last spring, and there's a lot to be done. Obviously, Welch has his job because of ethics concerns that drove the Speaker Mike Madigan out of office. And the state's uh, budget, uh, you know, we act as if when the governor produces a budget that kind of that story is over. Well, it's long, far, far uh, from over right now. There's a lot of work for the legislature to do to to see what they what they approve and don't approve in the governor's budget. And of course, what to do with all this federal money. We talk about these billions of dollars coming in. Uh, well, the question is exactly where they're spent. Some of this is very earmarked for specific purposes, but other parts of it give great latitude. Uh, for example, example, a couple of billion dollars will go, will go says the governor, toward paying down uh, borrowing that the state did last year under uh, in order, from the Federal Reserve in order to address its cash flow problems. Uh, there was a Federal Reserve program for doing that. Uh, how that money is spent, specifically where it goes, has big ramifications uh, for individual uh, towns and cities across the state. And hey, David, that's another um- thing that— I'm
0: sorry yeah. we're out of time we just we've hit the clock here you can go uh, find <laughs> the link to that article and much more at bettergov.org